Island, actually. Island, actually. Yeah. Try number two. To everything else, yeah, and it's to me, it's not a path of illumination, but illuminate whatever ever path you're on. All right. So let's say here, you come in and somehow you wandered into the spiritual shoe store, and then you tell the person, "I think I need a size ten and a half hiking boot," and da da da. But the person brings out all different shoes. He doesn't listen to your uh, your. Uh, <laughs> requirements. He brings other shoes. He says, "Hey, try these on, and if the shoe fits, wear it." So that's sort of how what happened with me with this topic of non-duality. I had been practicing at the time, and of course, there isn't a person, but as the activity, I had been doing a lot of Buddhism. You know, re- doing the whole resume retreats in Thailand, in the forest, and all this stuff. And I was doing it. A, I was giving myself a pretty good shot. I meditated every day, a couple hours a day, did Tai Chi, all this, and all that. And then I heard this message, and it stopped all of that completely. Yeah, just heard the message because how it was explained to me it was by a great master, a statement of a great master by of Ramana Maharshi. And in a lot of his writings, he basically says the same thing. It's not his writings; people that wrote about what he said. And it goes like this. He says, there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing that wants to get salvation for the non-existent thing. So you sat there. So this is like a shoe. Someone's putting a shoe on, and this is the shoe. There's a presupposing of a non-existent thing. So the supposing or an assuming... This is different because there's it, it's a pre-assuming. So when it is assumed, it's, it, it appears to be historically assumed. Yeah? Let's just go see who that is. England. All right. You know yes, what I mean? So when it's assumed, it's not just assumed now. When it's assumed now, it implies it was before. This is the trick. It's really cool if you can see it. So there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing, and that would be the body. Yeah, without the animating principle, the body is non-existent. Yeah, and it's a thing. So there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing, and that the presupposing of a non-existent thing is actually being done by an existing no thing. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. then that presupposes you a non-existent thing, and then that non-existent thing wants to get salvation for the non-existent thing. It could be wants to get a pair of pants for the non-existent, wants to get a bloating sandwich. But now it's now all of its drives and all of its visions and where it starts from is from the non-existent thing. And he says, if this is the case, your spiritual practices themselves will be reinforcing the non-existent thing. How can they destroy the non-existent thing? That statement stopped me in my tracks because it had just described the last 12, 15 years of what I had been doing. There was a pre, I was, there was a presupposing of a non-existent thing, this, this action figure, and it was named Paul, and it was looking for salvation for the action figure where the only salvation is from the action figure. And so if the salvation is from the non-existent thing, how long will it take to be 
come available. Obviously, it's always available at all times because you don't need salvation from a non-existent thing. Yes? Yes, that's the whole freaking point. So the solution never demonstrates itself. In, it demonstrates itself in time, but it isn't found or landed into or arrived at through time. It's a timeless condition. So it's prior to the presupposing of the non-existent thing. Yeah? Most people, at, let's just say me, at that point of the story, I was taking what came after, which was this presupposing or non-existent thing, and I believed that was the before. Yeah? And I didn't like the before, so I was searching for the before, but I was putting it after me. So I was looking for the Buddha, but I was looking for the Buddha as the Buddha. Yeah? Mm -hmm. As a great Zen master, you know Zen a little, Hoang Po, a famous Chinese Zen master, says, you cannot use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use mind, big M mind, to seek mind. You can't use light to seek light. You can try it for eons and nothing's going to happen. Now, why would he say that? He wasn't a sadist. He didn't want to drive Paul crazy. Because it would make no sense. He could say that, but if I'm taking myself to be Paul, it makes total sense for Paul to be looking for the Buddha because Paul needs a lot of freaking help. And I'm thinking it's going to be the Buddha. If I could wake up or get enlightened or become detached, I'd be much better Paul. But he's not seeing us as Paul or Ted or Amelia. He's seeing us as the Buddha. So he's telling the Buddha, who's being at that moment is seemingly identified as Paul, that, you know what, Buddha, seemingly identified as Paul, you can't use yourself to seek yourself. Yeah? The Buddha, you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. So if you hear it from Paul's point of view, oh, that's, I understand that, but I need to seek the Buddha, because I'm not the Buddha, I'm Paul. But what happens if you're not Paul? You may find out that you're the Buddha. And how long will it take for you to find out that you're the Buddha? No time at all, because you are the Buddha. That's non-duality to me. That's it. That's the fact. So the presupposing a non-existent thing, if that gets in place, your sanctified spiritual practices that you think are going to be different than everything else, they aren't. They're going to be used by the mental state to reinforce the non-existent thing. While you're believing the story that you're destroying the non-existent thing, they're reinforcing the non-existent thing. So the meditation will be used to imply the meditator. Yeah? That's the dilemma. There's a heist that happens that most of us start after the heist. And the heist is the mental process, I like to call it selfing, that mental process of selfing claims whatever it comes in contact with. And so let's say it comes in contact with consciousness, conscious contact, it claims to be the one that's in conscious contact. It presupposes itself before the conscious contact. So the whole situation is that which comes after implies it's before. So basically, you're thinking you're going ahead to reach the goal, but basically you return to the goal. It's like a regression in time because you are what you are looking for right now. As St. Francis said, what's looking is what you're looking for right now. It didn't say what's looking and then 50 pages of the requirements for you to fulfill to become what you're looking for. It says what's looking 
is what you're looking for. It doesn't say who's looking. It says what's looking. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the, the, the talk. Because it's an invitation. It's not a dissertation. You cannot know what you are. You can only be what you are. You can't study what you are. You can only be what you are. You can't experience what you are. You can only be what you are. You can know what you're not. You can study what you're not. And you can experience what you're not. But if you keep applying that to what you are, it's not going to work. Because it hasn't. Yeah? You know how many people who have worn every spiritual shoe there is end up at this shoe store? <laughs> Inevitably. 30, 40 years. I remember one of the times I was reading this magazine, a Buddhist magazine called Tricycle, and they had an editorial by a famous Western meditation teacher. I don't know, don't remember his name. And he was talking about an unusual phenomena was happening, that a lot of his old-time students were getting in touch with him. They'd been studying with him for 20, 25 years, and they were telling him, you know, nothing's really happened. You know what I mean? I canceled my subscription to that fucking magazine that day. <laughs> Who am I not to learn from others? They've done 25 years and they're telling me not the, nothing the fuck happened. I'm jumping off the bus. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Why? So that's non-duality to me. It's a fact. It's not two. It doesn't say it's one. It just says it's not two. That's the fact. All you need to do is negate what you take to be so, and you'll find out what's so. And what you find out is you is what's so. You are what's so. You and I are reality. Lending reality to things by being identified as a thing. So we're dreaming in a sense. So... It's really that simple. It's always just an invitation. And when we're giving it, when we're sharing this message, we never talk to you about it. We talk to it about you. Yeah? We're never talking to Michael about non-duality. We're talking to mind about Michael. Yeah? And hopefully the mind will entertain, I'm not that. And you know what's going to be the greatest recipient of the joy of that? Is Michael, the action figure. You'll travel lighter on a stabilized level. Yeah? It may not change the geography of one's life, but you'll travel lighter with whatever life has in store for you. And after having that occur for years, I realized, what more do I want than that? An ease and comfort in the circumstances and the skin I seem to be in. Yeah? So, that's the message. It can be repeated tons of times, but it's a very simple message if it had any direction, it would be called negation. You're negating what's taken to be so, yeah? Because you cannot find out what's so, you can find out what's not so. Yeah? And it's sort of like a weird, like, boomerang shot. You see what you're not, and it's the seeing of what you are not is what you are. It's the seeing of what you're not. That's the true reflection of you here, is seeing what you're not. Yeah, so, yeah. And if you apply it to recovery, I think recovery, I think everything can be illuminated by non duality beautifully. Yeah? 
in recovery, we have a statement on page 64. This really shook me up when I, when I saw this in a new light. It says, being convinced, so it means it's an active verb right now. You're being convinced right this moment that self is what has defeated you. Yeah? Manifested in various ways. And if we're convinced of that right now, we will look at self's common manifestations and we do an inventory, we do a review of our seeming past life and we look at resentments and fears and the harm we did to others in the pursuit of what we wanted. We look at the sexual arena because it's a pretty juicy arena. And so by seeing that, we see how self defeated us. Yeah? But the stubbornness of the identification of self is incredible People will read that statement, and when they discover the expressions of self in those lives, resentments, fears, and harms unto others, they claim them to be their own. They are my resentments, they're my fears. That's the act of being identified as self. Some foreign installment is expressing itself to you, and you're claiming the expressions to be yours. That's the bondage of self. It's an activity. It didn't happen, it just seems to be happening. The good news, it could never happen because you're truly, truly untouchable. Where are you going to grab no thing? How are you going to bond no thing? How are you going to quantify no thing? How are you going to jail no thing? So the funny thing is, the biggest beneficiary is you and me. You become more like Michael when you're not Michael than ever. Yeah, It's a weird thing how it plays out. But then you're never chipped. You're never out of any moment. Because you realize you're not trying to get in the moment. You realize you could never be out of a moment, ever. So you're not making any effort to get into what you can't be out of, and you're not get, making any effort to get out of what you can't be in, and you're not spending another freaking second looking for what can't be found. Simple. Very clean. Like Zen would say, now you see blue is blue and red is red. The horse is in front of the cart, and there's, such, there's a balance and a harmony there. Yeah? I mean, it just resonates well. You know it before you knew anything. It's like an unspoken yes in your gut. man. And to me, over time, it became the last answer, which is a great freaking answer. Because it negates any need for any other answer. And really, the basis of it is a loss of interest. You'd think you would be interested. You would think interest would win the day, but it's a loss of interest. You lose interest in the need to be liberated. That's the liberation. Yeah? Because what you are doesn't need liberation. What you're not needs it desperately. Yeah? So, yeah, that's that. Any questions? No? Do you still pray and meditate? No, not right now. But I do pray twice a day when I go to a meeting. <laughs> I do. In the beginning and the end. Right. Yeah, so I do, actually. Who is the pray- prayer to? Or it's just... Not to anything. Right, it's just, just the, the acts of praying. Yeah. Okay. 
you're with a group of people. Yeah? The biggest thing you do in AA is hold the space, basically. And it's not an effort. You're there. Like, you're completely there. And you're letting people be completely there if they choose to. Yeah? It's a joy, man. And also, there's a the habit of self-centeredness is like a horizontal ring, like a Saturn ring of interest and attention. Most people are absorbed in the mental narration. And thank God there's AA meetings, like 700 of them a week. Because if you can go for an hour and listen to someone else speak, pay attention to other people, some of that attention will be pulled out of that fucking orbit around you, and you'll feel a little bit lighter and bigger and larger, yeah? And maybe you'll get a free sample of what it's like to live, quote-unquote, out of self. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, it's good to be of of service. Yeah, especially for certain alcoholics, certain action figures, we need to do service. It causes us a great amount of health, yeah? Yeah, and most practices you're doing is for the body and the brain. It's not for the spirit. You, know, you don't have a spiritual awakening. You are a spirit, and you're already awake. Yeah, most people don't want to be awake. That's why we have two hundred channels on cable. You know, it's not. It's hard to be on all the time. You know, difficult. We always are looking to get some dimming it down. So basically, most people don't want to be awake, but we are. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's any volition in the awakeness, let's just call it being conscious contact. I'm not, you know, if my eyes are open, I'm going to see what flies by. No matter if I took a vow never to see a bird, I'm going to see a bird. The eyes are open. Because I have no volition over it. Yeah. I come after the conscious contact. I'm an afterthought. That's implying it's before all thought. Then, if you feel like you're before thought, then there's assumption you're the thinker or the doer of the thoughts, and then constant frustration ensues because they don't seem to listen to you. You know, like when you have an important appointment the next day and you're just saying, please stop at 11 p.m. You can start up at 8 a.m., but give me nine hours. It never works. It's insane. There would be no frustration if you saw what's thinking it's the thinker is a thought. Yeah? It's no other it's nothing other than a thought. It's a thought, and it's such a habitual thought, there's a sense around it. You have a feeling of being what the thought is, yeah? It's almost as if we're meditating on selfing all day. Yeah, that's almost like a mantra, I me my, and then the mind visualizes a body. it's like people talk about we're constantly in meditation most people are totally meditating on self all day they're following every thought that's about them freaking all day isn't they and then what would happen if you were power really a lot of power and what you were paying attention to was presupposing, implying assuming, reinforcing that you're a body I can imagine that you could easily manifest a sense of being a body. Yeah? If that power was misdirected, you would picture yourself as the thoughts picture you, as the memories picture you, and memories picture you as a body. And then it could go to such an absurd length, you'll try to become a spiritual body. 
<laughs> You'll try to graft no thing onto thing. <laughs> it doesn't work. A solution doesn't need vigilance. A solution produces a relaxation and an assurance. It doesn't demand fucking tons of work. Your inherent condition isn't demanding fucking anything. It's being what it is. It's not doing it, and so it cannot undo it. It's being it. As long as it is what it is, it's being what it is, which is aware. Yeah. I just don't see it. I don't. I don't see like practices of mindfulness of that which is all mind. Exactly. Yeah. So, this is the message of non-duality. To me, it's like a relaxed awareness, like a dog shit awareness. It's quite ordinary. You may not even have a loving gaze or anything like that. And uh, <laughs> But you'll be fucking content and satisfied. Not after something, but before everything. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll be expressing it, not looking for it. Which is a lot different way to live. To be expressing what you've been looking for your whole freaking life. Be expressing from there. Yeah. So AA, it's good to know the exact nature of the wrong. If you could see it as not your thoughts, you'd lose interest in them. And if the problem resides in the mind, yeah, then the best thing is lose interest in the mind. But see how we say it in AA, you've got to quit playing God. But what happens if that which is playing God claims to hear that message that it has to quit playing God isn't that playing God? Mm-hmm. every time it tries to quit playing God that's playing God you'll never get out of the fucking little Chinese thumb torture thing you can't get out of what you're not in it's impossible that's the assumption the freedom is prior to the bondage not after the bondage after the bondage it's all temporary freedom before the bondage there's freedom from bondage yeah. Yes. Yeah. You say it's great to lose interest in the thoughts, but is there? I'm sorry to ask it, but a particular way to lose interest in the thoughts? Well, by these talks, they should help you because we're pointing out you're not the thinker, and if they're not your thoughts, you're going to lose interest in it. Just like if I'm interested in it, we do it all the time. That little. There's another meeting going on in the other room, and there's this woman I'd like to meet, maybe biblically, you know. <laughs> I haven't talked to her, but I'm quite keen on her, and I have a lot of dreams about her. So I'm at this meeting having to do this talk, but my interest is in that room, because it means a whole lot more than you do to me, you know. And so someone notices I'm not seemingly here, and they tell me, Paul, you know, you got this job, you're sitting, and I want to, but my attention's much more, and I'm trying to listen to what she says, because I'm hoping she's going to say, I like that guy, Paul, yeah? Because I don't want to go in, you know, I want the bet hedged, you know, I don't want to get rejected, so, yeah, so I'm waiting, and then someone drops a book on the table, and I look at it, it says, How to Lose interest in a conversation in another room. Based through it, I believe the principles, but I can't live by them because something that I don't really have any control over sees that as much more important than this. Yeah, But suddenly, I hear her say something, and I'm like, Keen, and she says, I really like that guy, Matt, and my name is Paul. What happens? I lose interest in that conversation because it's not about me. That's exactly what happens. You're interested in the thoughts because you think you're the thinker or they're about you. That's the whole glue. The thoughts are thoughts. 
But how can I convince myself that it's not you me? You can't. That's the whole point. So it's so like I'm caught. I'm caught. No, you're not. You're not caught at all. You're freed, actually. You want to be there. That's why it's not seemingly happening. Okay, I don't want to be there. I don't want to want to be there. I don't want to want to be there. I don't want to want to want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> well, see what happens, honey. See what happens. Just listen. Just let this spiritual subpoena hit and see what happens. Yeah? There's no magic way because how can you undone what hasn't been done? You're just in doing in the doing of it. You're actively a participant in what you call the thing you like to get out of. It's almost like a suppression. Like oh, like tell myself, you know, that's not me. Don't don't. But see, that's self trying to get out of self. That which is talking isn't you. That's like a parrot that mimics. It's not you. You want to get out so bad, that's why you don't seem to get out. Acceptance is available. If you accept your plight, there's a great wisdom in no escape. You realize there's no fucking escape. It's never going to get better. And maybe if you stop trying to get out, you'll see the door swings open. I don't know. That's how it works for me. Like that bloodhound terminology that you use in the book that, that you know, the evidence of, to the degree that we go, like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get out. That's the bloodhound. It's like <laughs> that's how serious. But just seeing that is like okay. Well, that was that was a bloodhound, not me. <laughs> yeah. See this. The self wants to get out of self, honey. Like we do something in AA, the fourth step. And so I heard a lady share about it once. I really liked it. The fourth steps in inventory. And the lady was working with someone, and the person said, you know, I can't wait to do fourth set because, you know, I'm going to get free from so yeah. much shit. But, and then she was really disappointed because then the lady says, no, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to accept where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the joy, see? And that's the problem. You're not accepting it. Yeah? You're in resistance to it. And you don't see that you're the fire starter. And yet, while you're starting the fire, part of starting the fire is saying you don't want the fire. Yeah? You play the whole role. It's acceptance. Acceptance isn't something you can do. It's a byproduct. Of understanding there's nothing you can do. Exactly. There's an acceptance. To me, it was like... I got I got struck sober really, and one of the downloads was it was ba- it was very clear as day. It was like a g- giant CNN news flash, just a headline, and the headline was "I'm fucked." Yeah, and that has never changed. And I realized I'm not managerial quality. Yeah. But I hear the same "I'm fucked," and it doesn't do <laughs> what it did to you. It just it's like because you're claiming to be what heard it. The message isn't fucking for you, honey. You're gonna be you're gonna be the expression of the message, not the receiver of it. We're talking the mind, but you keep putting your mitt up, catching every fucking mitt, and you've caught some great curveballs from fucking great masters, Muktananda, Robert Adams. You've caught all the pitches, the greatest arsenal of the major league pitches of spirituality. Yeah, and you just caught them all, and the catching of them neutered the fucking message. Yeah, and then to feel it that way, feel the collapse of the fucking system. 
you're not going to get it, nor are you going to be there to receive the joy of it. You're going to be absent, fucking finally. You've been 45 years. Yeah? That's a lot of, a lot of hearing something. You wanted it to end this weekend, it's ending. So just let it fucking collapse. And maybe you'll be able to enjoy the rest of the Saturday night. Yeah? Look how lovely this place is. Give up the ghost and just be with the living. Yeah? Well, let's eat, yeah? Yeah? yeah. Let's eat a lot, honey. <laughs> Fucking pour on the ice cream. <laughs> Thanks.